Hi, Ugo. Welcome back to Non-Traditional Headspace. It's good to see you again. This is going to be our second part of the first episode that we had before. And I'm really excited about this because we're going to be continuing our conversation. And I'm sure that it's going to be interesting because we're going to be as well touching a, a little bit more fun at the end of this episode topics. So tell me, how's everything since the last time we spoke? And then we're going to start right off with the first part of this episode, which is talking about a little bit and just to put people back in context of what our last conversation was before I go on. We ended up with you sharing a bit of how was your entire experience with weight loss and how this impacted your life in general. And then we talked a little bit about relationships as well and your tips about how to use part of the media accounts that are available now out there to to use as online dating. And in order to continue the conversation then, based on that, that we have shared with the public who's listening already, tell me about now what's up with you currently, like I said. And when I say this, it means talking about as well future plans that I know you have when it comes to your career. And what does that imply? What are you going to make happen? We're starting a new year, of course. Now it's 2024, the beginning of 2024. And what does that represent for you at this moment? Go ahead. First of all, thank you for having me once again. I am truly happy to be here. I love our last conversation. I think that even though it was a little bit long, we cover a lot of topics that were really interesting and were received. And I'm thrilled to be here. Since last time, it has helped me a lot to put my life in perspective. There's a phrase that uh, my therapist told me that an activity, in fact, about finishing the cycle of the year, my train of thought was always like, why do people care a lot about New Year, New Me, and all the traditions that we do in Latin America about eating the grapes and running around or going outside and running with us to yeah. case or I think hiding under the table or something about money. I, I am more acquaint about the, the grapes one and the, the, the suitcase, but not with the other ones. But I know that people believe in that, even underwear color and stuff like that. And I don't judge. I do. <laughs> you do. That's okay. But for me, for example, in my weight loss journey, I always heard people say that, no, January 1st, I'll go to the gym and yeah. I'll do all my lists and new me. And for me, it was like, why do people wait? Yeah, you can indulge yourself Christmas Eve, December 31st, New Year's, whatever. But you can start doing changes before that. Yeah. We did um, a conversation about that and she told me, yeah, it's New Year. What are your thoughts? Where are you living behind 2024, 2023? What are you looking for in 2024? And for the first time in my life, when the clock, it was 12 a.m., mm -hmm. I truly believe that it was a new opportunity, a new chapter. It is a new perspective for me. And I have learned a lot of things, a lot of things since the last time we spoke that has truly helped me as a person that I know has helped my medical practice at all with my patients. It has helped, helped my friends because sometimes they ask me for advice and I try to 
share with them what I've learned. What I, even though I am currently like every single person in this world going through stuff and but what I've learned to share it because information has to be shared. And professionally, there's this psychiatrist. I don't know if you've heard about her. She's absolutely brilliant. One of the individuals in this world that has the most profound emotional intelligence that I've ever heard or I've seen. Her name is Mayra Rojas-Tapé. She's, she's a Spanish. Uh, she's from Spain. She's a psychiatrist. Absolutely okay. brilliant. She has two books. The first one is Como hacer que te pasen cosas buenas. How for good things to happen to you. And the second one is finding your vitamin person. It's very popular, very insightful, very scientific. That's what the most part that I love about her because she can bring for the most simple language and the more complex language for medical and people that are around medical fields. And she mm -hmm. uses it together and it's quite amazing. If you haven't heard from her, please do. Very well known, very grounded, very insightful information. And she says that for a, a person and her father as well, very insightful a psychiatrist, Enrique Rojas, he says that for a person to be truly happy, they have to have a balance between what they want, what are their dreams, and what mm -hmm. they have achieved in between your professional and in your personal life. If you have a balance in between both things, you'll be happy because happiness or happy things, it's not something. It's not uh, an object. It's not um, a circumstance. You can be thrilled. You can be excited. You can be whatever adjective you want to use. But happiness is how you will interpret what happens to you. It's an interpretation mm -hmm. for you to happen because good things can happen to you and you would only see the negative ones. So it's more a perception. There's sometimes that you will have, and for, for as well, for that to happen, to interpret, to enjoy when good things happen to you and how to deal when things that are not so good happen to you. Because life is like a wave. It comes and goes. It's not linear. Definitely. And, um, yeah. And for a long time, even though I work in different places, I work in every single part of the medical fields from emergencies and helping with surgeries and adults, children, um, basic medical consultations, hospitalization, etc. I know that I have always had the will for me to continue studying. And I have studied, even though right now I'm a general practitioner, I haven't started my specialty. I work a lot and I have the opportunity to go to Brazil and start my specialty. Like the clinical part of medicine, I like when a patient tell me some symptoms and I try to help them because the problem with any patient, any disease are, are not the symptoms. The symptoms can be mild, they can be severe, and you can help to control them. But the problem is not that the problem is what causes them. It's like a puzzle. It's like for, for you to make a, a mental slate and subdivide every single possibility for a patient. And that's the part that I always love in medicine. I learned to know that I like gastroenterology. And there's a big chance for me to start there in a very short time. So I need to prepare myself to work on the rest of Brazil, and which I'm 
absolutely excited about that. <laughs> and I'm not scared at all. Actually, I'm I'm truly excited because that's the part of my life that I think that I need to work more. Even though I work a lot, because people yeah. think that oh, you're not a specialist. You have no as medical specialty. You are a failure at all. I am good no, at what no. I do. Yeah, I am good at what I do. I am a good physician. I am a good doctor, and I am truly proud of myself. Truly, and even though if there was an opportunity for me to go to Brazil and make my medical specialty, there's a lot of, of options for me to study. But there's this opportunity. I've been working on this. Well, for about almost two years, and last December, I went to to Costa Rica on October of last year, and I, I have to approve with a very high note my Portuguese exam that is called the Selpibras. I, I was um, going to ask you if you knew the language already, so you do, do. know Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, now. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if I actually, yeah, now I'm truly wow. happy. I am truly proud of myself because of that. And, and which are the yeah. levels for the language for you? Because here, for example, it's they classify it in B1, B2, yeah. C1, C2. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah, the same. Yeah, it's the in same. Spanish okay. and in English and in, in French is uh, TOEFL, right? No, in French is DELF. I'm sorry, in DELF, Delf yeah. in, in French. Yeah, yeah. TOEFL in you know, the United States. And in, in Portuguese, for Brazil, Portuguese, it's Solpi Bras. And okay. I approve. I passed my exam. And that was nice. the hardest part. <laughs> I'm really excited. And like we talked before on the podcast, I know it is a big change because when you make a decision, Denise, any decision, start or quit a relationship or start or quit a job or any decision, move to another place, there's the conceptualization, the idea that you're doing that, but... <clears throat> There's a phrase in Spanish that you know very well that is cuando estás montado en el toro. When you are in the situation, it's completely different of what you thought because not I know that not everything is going to be rose color and completely no. wonderful. And I know there's a cultural difference, even though Brazilian people have a reputation they're truly happy, very like us, but it's a different culture and it's a different language and it's a different country, even though I know it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to be okay. And I am happy with that. I heard a phrase last year, and they said that true confidence mm -hmm. is doing something and knowing that even though you may miss, you may not succeed, at the end, you'll be fine. And that's how I feel yes. right now. That kind, that kind of confidence. Actually, it is true. If you have confidence and you're not afraid of failing, then the outcome might actually surprise you in the end because you're already preparing yourself mentally that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Not that you're going to fail, actually, but if it would happen, you have already worked that part of yourself to be prepared to face that. I like that phrase. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Everyone has problems and tribulation and doubt that's normal that's human right there's not a oh i'm amazing or he's a lucky or she's a lucky or that's so exciting no everyone has fears everyone has doubts yeah. everyone can second guess stuff because 
that's an uncertainty and people want to be certain. Yes. When you get something new, you are like, what am I going to do? Or what if it fails? There's something I've learned from Marian, the psychiatrist that I told you, that mm -hmm. it's the, the importance, the scientific importance of your inner voice. It's so important. She says that the inner voice that you have, it is made when you are little. 50% is made before you are six years old. Then 25% is between six years old and 12 years old. And the next 5% is made after you're 12. And it's a combination about mostly your caregivers, but then your teachers and people that are really close to you that made an impact on you. And it's in a reflection of how your caregivers, your parents, or whoever raised you, talk to you. You are like, like, like a recorder machine, and that forms our inner voice. And if the inner voice that it's formed with, that will go on the rest of your life. And if you always say, no, you're so dumb, or you're so dumb, you're never going to make it, or what are you, well, you're not like, like your sister or your brother. And every time there's a struggle, you will repeat and repeat, and that would affect your life. That's our job for us to change that. And that has brought me a lot of confidence in this moment. That's yeah. why you were you have been able to achieve and get to where you are, I think. You talked about growing a lot through all this experience, even recently, that we last spoke, you say that you have grown still. And I think this is something that is also very important to recognize that you're still learning things throughout your journey in life. That it's a constant reminder that you're going to keep learning about yourself. And that's good. A lot of people, I think, they get stuck and they, for some reason, think that's the end of who they are. They believe this. You're talking, I think you're talking about traumas, if I'm not wrong. These are childhood traumas. People, when you describe it, you, you put it in a very nice way. But for me, it's quite simple. For me, it's traumas. And uh, a lot of us are afraid of listening to that. Like, you have childhood traumas that you have to deal with and overcome. And like you said, you replace your old inner voice with a new one. And people are not willing to accept these things most of the time. And I include myself there too, because I think it's difficult to identify those traumas or where did they come from. In my case, I have still not identified exactly where like the things that trigger those fears that I have, where do they come from? Because probably I still think that everything that happened in my childhood was normal. But maybe it wasn't 100%. Like you have been able to identify and replace them with the good thoughts that you should have about yourself. That's when you have already achieved a lot. So you have grown and that's excellent. Yeah. Thank you. There are things that you will learn by yourself if you, you, you truly want to do the work because the problem is that in general, no one likes for someone or their inner voice, if it's a negative one, to tell them there's something wrong about you. Yeah. And this is scary because it's on a known place. It's like you saw this movie... I think it's inside out. I only have the memories of the really old ones when I was little. 
No, I don't want to spoil the movie for you because I think it's a really nice because I think Pixar makes movies that are suitable for kids and for adults because of the message. Oh, and there's a new one coming. And the old one, there's a part in the memory that it's all black. And there's an old memory, an old uh, character that I won't, I won't spoil because I want for you to experience the, the movie. Okay. And that part, it seems dark and it's kept down in our brain. And most of the people don't want to go there because obviously no one wants to talk about their difficult situations because you said something that it's truly interesting <laughs> going back to trauma, even though that it is scary for us to go through the trauma and understand that those things or those situations or even some people can cause elevation of cortisol in us. It is yeah. important for us to understand that because we need to be like a fine wine and aging, even though it is scary for <laughs> a lot of people because yes, it, it, it is. And we need to respect that because people always say that no, that you're being dramatic or you look fine. You need to respect that in the person because it is true for them. And you need to be empathetic with that. So you need to understand the root of what is causing you that. Because you've always seen life by with the eyes of the people that raised you. And you say something about normality. It can be normal in your house that no one ever talk about feelings. Never mm -hmm. hug you, never gave you a kind word or barely gave you a kind word. And you learn to be hyper-independent because you knew that you cannot trust your caregivers. Or it's normal for you that have a house that they hug you and they tell you they love you. Or another household that what you heard was only screaming and screaming. That's normal for you. And if people want to learn about themselves, even though this is scary, especially in Latin America, that when they say, no, you need to go to, to the psychologist or need to go to a psychiatrist, they automatically think, oh, you're crazy. You have mm -hmm. a problem. You can tell that yeah. they have cancer, they will be sad. Or you can tell them that they have a fatty liver or they have asthma or they have diabetes or they have high blood pressure or whatever. And people will talk about that. But yeah. people will not talk about, I'm feeling sad. I feel stressed. I don't know what I want. The two main diseases in our century and is for our generation and the people that are older uh, than us or the, especially the younger ones, it's not diabetes, high blood pressure, or cancer, it's depression, anxiety. Those are the mm -hmm. main ones. Those are the most important ones right now. Depression and anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Everyone is anxious. Everyone is anxious, even though they cannot, they don't want to verbalize it because the people have, they're more like for them to internalize things, they are. Yeah, And I think that it is important for us to try to understand where does our trauma come from. It is important for us to try to understand that even though we see life in a way and we, we think, oh, that's it. Oh, like French people say, c'est la vie. It's oui. not like that. No, it's not like that. Even though you don't see things right now mm. that way, you can change, but it takes time. Yeah, it takes patience, not passing that patience. 
Yeah. So I think right now we already stepped into the next segment of this episode. But before we keep this discussion and, and conversation, which I find absolutely interesting, just to close up the first one, you're going to Brazil. I hope mm -hmm. everything goes well. Best Thank of you. wishes for you. And I hope next time we speak, we're going to be discussing what it's like to be in Brazil and how everything's going there. And of course, I would like to know the adaptation part once you're there. It's a different culture, although they're not so far away either from Central America, where we're from. But definitely there's always changes and we have to be ready to understand what's going on in a different culture. Now, we stepped into the next part of the episode, which is what we're speaking about right now. I would describe this as seeking for help and professional support, which is everything that you have laid out. Oh, people are not prepared to have those conversations because they fear some sort of judgment. They don't want to talk about why do they behave a certain way that is definitely attached, like you said, and explained from this doctor that you mentioned, to a certain percentage that is attached to your child. With that being said, this is something that I want to ask you now, because you mentioned about, of course, cortisol levels, because I have read about this and I have done certain things to try to level my cortisol levels. I've done somatic exercises. Have you ever heard of those? somatic exercises this no, is uh, this is a more holistic approach to how to balance your cortisol levels and there's these exercises that have to do with breathing and very mm. slow movements that right. you can do that apparently trigger certain parts of the body that we normally wouldn't use while we're doing regular exercise like running or jogging or walking or even weightlifting. These are more connected to your nervous system because you're breathing at the same time. It's not exactly yoga either because it's not yoga. Even some people don't believe it. It demands a certain level of physical demand to your body. You end up sweating if you're in a, an intensive yoga session. With these somatic exercises, they're quite soft. And they make you reflect a lot about what's going inside in the breathing and everything. And uh, some of the exercises can even cause certain shaking in your body. I had no expectation when I was doing it. I thought this is crazy. Surely this is people make it up. They start shaking because they, they start going through things in their minds. I don't know. But actually it happens. I was scared when that was happening and the reactions that they say you can have, it's either you start getting like worried that something is happening to your body in that moment, or you start laughing. I started laughing because I couldn't believe that was happening. I thought this is insane. This is not real, but it is. So I experienced it and it was real for me. I didn't know if you had ever heard of those exercises. I tried them because also my coach, she was the one who recommended me to do it. I gave it a try. I liked them a lot. And every now and then I go back to doing some of them because I feel like I need to relax in certain moments of my life. So I do it. I practice 
a lot of things. I practice yoga for a very long time. I really like yoga. And also Pilates, it's completely different. I always try to do things that I've never done before, getting outside my comfort zone. I actually like doing that because I think that I'm pushing myself, doing things that I don't know if like, you don't know if you will like something unless you do it. If people say, I don't know, do it. If it doesn't affect your core beliefs or your integrity, give it a shot. Why not? Do something different. Life is an experience, right? And I've done different things for me to regulate my cortisol levels because in the past month, I'm doing quite well right now, actually. But in the past months, I've been really stressed, really stressed because of personal stuff. Me too. I started doing... <laughs> That's why we delayed this episode, actually. I was going through personal dealing with stuff. And so it was the right timing then. We were not ready. So now we're here. Yeah. That things happen at the exact moment when they need to happen. You cannot control that. And it is important for you that you took your time for yourself, that it's an act of true love, personal love, that the, the most important one, your own love. And congratulations for doing that because people sometimes have chronopathy. We talked about chronopathy last time. We didn't. Uh, we have a lot of time. Chronopathy, it's one of the main diseases that of, of this time. That, that's the incapacity to relax. Chronos comes from time and passive yeah. for pathology, right? So it's the disease of the time. People need to do and do and do and do and do. They cannot relax at all. They cannot take a time for themselves and the people they love. And when they stop, they feel anxious. They feel stress. And that happens to a lot of people that I know. Most likely you do as well. Yeah, it's the capacity for us to to make a pause and remember that in our pausing moments, it's that moment that your body recovers, sleeping, right? Yes. But coming back to 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 yeah. what you asked, knowing that I've done mindfulness, I yes. absolutely love mindfulness. I do it every single. day. I, when I talk to my therapist about that, because she was the one to shout out to Claudia, because she's an amazing therapist, taught me about mindfulness. I told her, but I, I have done meditation with yoga. It's not the same. It is not the same. It's completely yeah, different. No. It's it's related to what you're saying. It's not the religious part of Buddhism, but it comes with, right, within that. And there's an amount, an absolutely ridiculous amount of information, clinical research about this and the physiological and mental changes, your hormonal changes that it produces in you. It is truly amazing. I'm telling the listeners and for you as well, if you haven't done that properly, mindfulness, give it a try. I will read about what you're saying because I think it's truly interesting. Mm -hmm. I've never done that, especially it, even though it, it has respiration become mindfulness, you need to focus on your respiration. Even though you're trying to concentrate in your breathing, you will still think. And even though you say, yeah. no, I won't think, you will think and yeah. think and think. But it's bringing gently, carefully your mind back to breathing. And it helps yeah. a lot. And I notice the changes. It takes time for it because it, it is a habit, right? Like everything like going yes. to the gym or trying to have a good diet or getting into a new job. It's completely different. In this book, Finding your vitamin person, the term vitamin person, even though it's a little bit spoiler, there's these people that when you think about them, 
or you see them, you smile. When mm. you uh, you talk to them, they calm you. They don't judge you. And you feel happy in that moment. It can be your partner or your friend. It can be your parents or it can be your pet or memory of them for you to calm yourself. There's a hormone that is called oxytocin. And the only things that I've known yeah. about that is a hormone that that is, is especially high in women because it helps during a pregnancy, especially when they're in, in labor for, for the contraction of the uterus or for the milk production when the baby is born. But recently I've learned that oxytocin is the neuromarker of empathy. It's the happiness yes. hormone. It is the hormone that it's the counterpart of cortisol. It is the hormone that it relaxes us. It is the hormone that it helps us through challenging times. And there are a lot of activities that you can do to for you to uh, elevate that, to increase that. The first one, that's one, one I love. Most people are not um, accustomed, but you cannot get accustomed are hugs. Every time you have someone you love, you release oxytocin. There are moments in your life that you're feeling truly sad and you hug somebody, and you feel a little bit better. That's because yeah. even though you're hurting or you're sad, and there's people that they're having a hard time because they're not accustomed because of their childhood to hug somebody. There's a study, actually, I don't remember the name of the doctor, and she made a study that for your oxytocin levels to rise, you need at least eight hugs a day. I told someone that time, and she told me, like, are you counting them? <laughs> because one time I saw her and I told her that and the next day I hugged her again because we saw her each other and I told her one. And she started <laughs> laughing because are you counting them? The first one goes really early in the morning and you can also elevate your your cortisol levels if you exercise. Exercising, it's an amazing activity, but there's a special part of one. Cortisol level decreases and your serotonin that it's the happiness and it's the exciting hormone and especially oxytocin can rise up when you do physical activity outdoors in the woods mm -hmm. going to the mountain or taking a walk it's different from the space that you have right now and you can do that a, a, a part that is really important that i always tell people before i started doing all of this years ago Instead, I told them, told them, what are the activities that you like? Maybe you like painting. Maybe you like playing piano or playing guitar. Or maybe you like watching a series or reading a book. That comes from the main part, knowing yourself. What do you like? What helps you in stress moments? Yeah. And you need to know yourself with doing that mindfulness or exercise or doing your activities and focusing on yourself thank you your time knowing that that time that you need to stop and think and say no i'm not okay i need to make a pause making a pause it's not a step back because we come back to chronopathy and doing and doing and doing and doing yeah it's not about that when will you relax when you're 80 exactly. you won't be able you won't be able of doing that and sometimes you need to Take a pause, breathe, relax, and take a different perspective because it will affect everything. It will affect your sense of 
attention and your in your capacity to make better decisions it will affect your relationships with other people if, if you're stressed if you're not good with yourself then it's and that it is even though you go or not go to therapy because therapy is another part that we'll talk after this is if you're not good to yourself how will you be good with someone else yeah exactly. it's not possible and that's the Marian's father enrique also the psychiatrist and he says most of the crisis that happen with your partners is because one of the partners is having a stressful time so it's intoxicated for cortisol that's the term that Marian used cortisol intoxication there's this okay. part of your body that it's called uh, the amygdala. It's from the limbic system. That's all, it's all about your approach to to sentiment, your anger, your happiness, your sadness, mm -hmm. etc. There's this part of your brain that is called the hippocampus. That's the part of the memory. It's yeah. a, an action, cause an emotion. Your hippocampus will gather that information, and next time something happens like that, you will remember that, and you will get triggered. And there's this mm -hmm. part in our brain, in, in our frontal lobe, that is called the prefrontal cortex. That's a part that controls your capacity, your will, your making decisions, you, to see in the prospect in your time, your capacity to stop. I need to do this so I can have this thing better, so you process things better. And that part of in our body develops until our late 20s, starting 30s, and maybe people do not have that part developed they just react that's a part we said that micha corta they real people that are really mm -hmm. reactful and knowing that and understanding that with people that the way that we see things and the way that we react it is truly important for us to find our way to be in the best way possible you will this there will be moments that you will be sad there will be moments that you will be stressed. There will be moments that you will be angry. But the way that you react to them by knowing yourself and working on your things will help you make better decisions. And it will help you in your personal, in your interpersonal, in your work environment, and in your life. Because you need to invest in yourself for the future. What kind of life do you want to have? And for me to finish this part, there's something that I've learned recently that it says that emotional intelligence it's way more important that regular the traditional intelligence because you can be truly a bright person but if yeah. you do not have the capacity to interact with other people you'll always have a barrier and you will not be able to express yourself properly at all knowing that and understanding that it's for you to know how you are and working on yourself. Yeah. And all of this, Hugo, I think it, it comes to the conclusion as well that we're talking about working on that mental health that is very important. And in order to do this, work in ourselves and the mental health that we should aim to have, all of us, Sometimes we need that additional help from people that have a different perspective than us or the closest circle that we have, because sometimes we surround ourselves with people in order to hear what we want to hear. And yeah. because they're your friends, they will not tell you something because they don't want to hurt you. 
but sometimes you need to have those difficult conversations with yourself, but with a little help of somebody else guiding you how to do it in the best way possible with yourself. So here is where we fall into this part, which is discussing the stigma that exists around mental health and uh, the use of therapy. So what is your opinion about that? Because I think mental health, like you also said before, is such an important topic now, now in the present time that we live, because a lot of us are dealing with the two main things that you mentioned are the greatest diseases that we have right now in the recent generations. You talked about, which was them? Well, there were two, right? One of them is anxiety, anxiety. and, and the depression. Yeah. And although we might be very strong-willed persons, very difficult that if you are at that stage of depression, you can do it all by yourself to get out of there. You might need to consider some type of help. And Absolutely. what is your opinion on that? That's a great question, by the way. And a truly important topic, like you said before, that there's a stigma that is in our society that even I've heard from really close people in my life. Because, like we talked before, people do not want to, for someone else to tell them, no, there's something wrong with you. You need to also, for your therapist to know the way they will approach, even though it's a, a psychologist or, or a therapist, psychotherapist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And I've seen here in Honduras that I think that we have a very limited train of thought in a lot of things that even though people do not want to talk about that, when you try to explain them the benefits, I, I, I took my time trying to explain it to you and to the audience about the emotional things for us to come here because that's, those are the same words that I try to explain to my patients. Because if I only tell them, yeah, I think you're stressed. I think that you're sad. Go to a psychologist. The, the, first of all, they will not understand. Second of all, say, what he's yeah. talking about? Why Why do you say it to a call? I'm fine. Or I may not be fine, but my ego won't let me accept yeah. that I'm, I'm doing fine. You're, my inner voice will say, don't listen to him. He's crazy. Whatever. Go to somebody else. So like you said, because uh, you said about people that are habilitators to for you to listen what you want to listen. Sometimes people know which people they're telling certain topics because they because you know them, yeah. what will be their answer? And we have to have people that will tell the things in our face for our help. But for example, I always been of the thought, and this here comes with psychologists and, and psychotherapy and psychiatrists, that when you ask for help, you always need to ask people that you know that know more than you in that topic. For example, I tell my patients, it's you can ask me medical things that are things that I know will help you. But if you ask me about civil engineering or uh, coding or architecture, I may have an, an idea, but that's not my field. Everyone has their field in their life. You, the, the things that you do, this, even though we have formal education, and the people that have informal education, 
there's an ability and knowledge information that we do not carry that's individual for every single person and they're experts in the things that they know and for example it's like <laughs> you want to ask relationship advice to your best friend that her husband has cheated on her three times and she yes, doesn't make anything yeah. what kind of information will you get even though she's your best friend right yeah. What kind of information will you get on someone that see, that person doesn't know how to handle a marriage, doesn't know how to put limits or no negotiables or show some kind of respect? You won't get information in current, even though that person knows a lot about you. Yeah. What kind of information will you get? So you need to understand where you get that. So when a patient or someone goes or you go to a, a friend and you say, yeah, I, I think I'm sad. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling stressed. I'm having problems with my house or problems with my family, with my partner or problems with my work or what I want to do. And they say, yeah. and, I and you tell them, no, but I think I want to go to therapy. And you said, well, you don't need to go do that. I'm fine. And you, because you have doubt and because you are scared of doing something that may go to places that you may or not may not be ready to go yeah you say no i will not go there so the way that you approach that it's the main part sometimes when i talk to my patients i tell them i am very professional very i try to be very open and see my patients in the eyes even though i have to see a lot of patients in a very short time i try to take my time with my patients and i don't know how time works for me because i finish mm -hmm. all my patients and I tell them, we wear masks. And I wear also a mask because I need to protect myself because of diseases, right? So it's a, a mm -hmm. part of my face is covered. <laughs> and I tell them, you may see someone that is calm and is talking to you very smoothly, but you don't know what's going on in my mind. Or you don't, I don't know what's going on in yours. I know that therapy works because I go to one and it has helped me. So I put myself, I share us a very personal that most people will not share. I am sharing this in a podcast that every single person who wants to hear yeah. will know. But I'm fine with that. I am actually truly proud of myself of going to therapy and learning all the things that I'm learning right now because I'm working on myself. And I think it's a courage act and an act of self-love. And I am proud of that part for doing that. And I try to share that part with my patients. And it has helped in the last four months, 100%. They go to my therapist. I don't know if she likes me or she doesn't because I send her a lot of patients. But I've seen the changes. I Because I need to have current revisions with my patients for them to come back. I ask for tests or whatever. And they come back and I talk to them and I talk, and I ask them, do you went to a psychologist? I say, yes, I went. Good. And the smile. I saw, I will share a patient. I, I have this patient at the beginning of the part of where I was fully stressed when I started going to therapy. And she went with her mom. She was by the time 16 years, probably she's the same age. And she seemed really anxious. She was standing forward. She was tingling with her hand. 
And also with the leg, she was moving the leg up and down. And when I talked to her, she didn't look me in the eyes. And the, the mother started telling me things about it. And she told me symptoms. And I was like, I think she's having somatization symptoms. I think she's really stressful. So I started talking with the minor. And I asked her, and she didn't look me in the eyes. And then the mother said, yeah, the, these kids, they're always rebellious. And, mm. and the, the kid only looked down because she said that she was crying at school. She had a panic attack at school. A little one, but I understood she, it was a panic attack. That, that's why they called her, and she went to medical consultation. And then I explained to her mother, when you have a communication, there's the part when you speak of your part of the interlocutor and the receiver yeah. for them to understand. You have to have both parts because you can talk and talk and talk. And maybe the person that's in front of you will not understand what you're saying. So it's a bimodal. It's a two-way street mm -hmm. for you to make words for them to understand in the language they will understand and for them to take that and process that for them to make their own decisions or interpretations. So I talked to her, I asked for some tests, and I sent her to a psychologist. I explained to her the same things that I'm telling you. I saw her two weeks before. She had three sessions. It was a completely different person. She answered, I'm, I cannot control which patients I see, even though I, I was the first one to, to see them, but in this case, circumstances life wanted me for me to see that the changes in the patient and i saw her the mother and the patient the children the child and she was different she looked me in the eyes she was smiling she looked more comfortable more loose and i told and i asked her do you went to therapy and she told me smiling yes how did it help i'm fine i'm better and, I, and that little moment, it filled my heart. Yeah. Because I, I, because if someone else would have seen her, she would say, no, do tests or take that or whatever and leave. But I saw yeah. life differently. Like you say, more holistic. I, I took, I take a more holistic approach in my practice. And that's what I told you that I think my practice is doing way better. Even though there's a stigma, when People are in the lowest. I have a really close friend who I truly love. And that person has a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she knows I love her truly. And I've helped her through the years with her problems in the best way that I can. And I told her one time, way before I started going to my sessions, that I think that she should go to someone and talk. And that person told me that, no, I think that I can do it myself. I, I can always do it myself. That was the ego talking, the pride um, talking that yes. I can do it myself. Yeah, that's one of the, the, the inconvenience of going to therapy for people think that I can do it. And if I ask for help, it's that I am broken. Yeah, <laughs> so, not necessarily, so, so, no. No, no, because we are, we need each other for us to help. If you are alone, Denise, you will go crazy. If I'm alone, I will go crazy. We need to interact with people. That's the way that we am. We need to be together. We are born, like we said the, the last podcast, we are born to attach. That's how we survive. Yeah. And recently, in the few months, she's having some troubles. 
and I talk to her all the things that I'm telling you, the mindfulness that I'm going to therapy. I put myself an example because it's not the same that I told her. You need to go that I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, I am going. I've seen the changes, and that person was willing to go. Now, Good. people will. Pe pe yeah, I, I am truly happy when that person told me that, and people. When they're in the lowest, or they think that they cannot do enough, they will seek for help. Some people will be more verbal, and they will tell, yeah, I I'm not doing well. It's your friend, your parents, your partner, your, your son, your daughter, whoever. And sometimes they will be more, more subtle. In depression, it's a little bit difficult, and it's a disease like hypertension or, yeah. high, uh, or, or diabetes. And it's a disease that you need to work. Do you know, Denise, how long it takes for a person to be completely without depression, to have a major depression syndrome, major depression disease? There's this manual that it's called the DSM-5 that it has for psychological and psychiatric diseases. There are like checklists for a person to make a diagnosis, right? It's a diagnosis guide for you to okay. make if a person have like a schizophrenia, or depression, or bipolar disease, or whatever, and you have criteria you need, you need to have for you to have it, or not have it, or have some of the variants, and for a person to have, to be normal, to have the, the disease, I'm asking you, how long do you think it, it takes? To people to have I'm a not suicidal I'm not sure. Thought. I don't know if there is a specific number in time. Uh, I am assuming that it might depend on the work that is done by the person. I don't I have okay. no idea. Okay. For a person to develop and being normal and having the disease, it takes six weeks. One and a half wow. months to have it. One and a half. Yeah. When, when I learned that in, pre in, in pre med, I was shocked. I, I thought it took more time for because people always think, oh, depression, that people might kill in herself or herself because it's not only thinking it's not only doing it's like thinking you're thinking you just want one of the criteria for depression and it takes a little more subtlety for it to make a diagnosis a practitioner mm -hmm. can do that family medicine can do it but the specialist that needs to uh, has it's more subtle is the psychiatrist but not, not most people have that people can have Moments when you're feeling sad, that's called dysthymia. That's for you to feel sad without having depression. It is truly important for these spaces or other spaces, other podcasts or videos to have a, a wider approach for people to understand that it's truly important for people to talk about their mental health because sometimes... People won't ask for help because sometimes they don't know how to ask for help or their pride or their attachment or the way they see life. But oh, everyone has a breaking point. Mm -hmm. you don't, and, and it's important to know that you don't need to go to the breaking point for ask for help. It is important for you to go seek your vitamin people, the people that you truly know that they care about you, the people that that you know that will be there for you, the people that you know that they will get a smile on your face even though you're having a bad time. We're in the 21st century. There are a lot of treatments that we didn't have before. Sometimes you need medication. 
Sometimes you do not need medication. Sometimes you need both. Sometimes you need to do things for yourself. Like we talk about exercise, mindfulness, eating healthier, doing better habits, going outside, doing the things that you love, talking to people, being more productive, working on yourself. And sometimes you need to do that as well as talking with somebody else. Even yeah. though there's a stigma, I've seen that it has changed a lot. And I think that the tendency, and I hope that the tendency goes to that. It is truly important because if you have a problem, if you don't work on the problem, if you ignore the problem, it will not go away. You cannot ignore no, things. Of course. No. no, but people think, no, I'm like that. I'm like this. People who, who are with me, they need to love me the way I am. Yeah, we need to understand. We need to understand that we cannot change people if they're not willing to change because yeah. the only things that we can control are the things that we say, that we do, and the way that we react to the things that we think. Because thinking will we will think. If you get mad with someone because you're driving and they take your spot and you almost had an accident or something happened and you and you are taillighting them, and even though you can have an accident or every time someone looks mad at, mad at you, you want to push them in the face, that's a thought. You can have that thought. I want to punch that person in the face. But you don't do it because you think you control the way that your your thought comes to your mind. And you have yeah. the will to do that. There are people that cannot control that. And they're completely sadical or with that or they have no control with themselves. And it's truly important for me to try to help all the people that I can't with the tools that I have and help them understand that even though they're having a bad time in any aspect of their life, there's always a way for them to go out, to be better, even though it takes time, even though it's not an easy road, it's a road that I will repeat every single moment in my life because the, the, body, goes, the, the body follows where the brain goes, always. Yeah, in the end, it's something that you do for yourself. And it's a work that you have to understand that it takes you to admit a lot of things that you're not willing to admit. And like I said before, things that you're not willing to listen from others to tell you because you don't want who nobody likes to be called out on their shit. That's the truth. We have a hard time accepting criticism most of the time. Yeah. Of course, if you go into therapy with the uh, negative connotation of believing that it's somebody judging you, then you shouldn't do it because you're not ready to do it yet. That's what Absolutely. I think. If you're thinking that the other person is there to judge you, then you're not ready yet for therapy. Absolutely. And there's probably other things that you have to work with within yourself. And you might have to learn them the wrong, the, the harsh way. Actually, when, when you're in that state, I think that you don't want to accept it and you're not willing to let other one help you, another person help you, that is actually a professional doing it, you will probably end up learning it the hard way. And that is life is going to hit you on the face, whether it's somebody that is going to hurt your feelings in a way that it will probably make you worse because you you were not willing to listen, although maybe you were receiving signs from different ways, 
but it will come to that moment in which until somebody really tells you something that hurts you, then you feel, okay, why is this happening to me? But sometimes it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't need to go to that extreme for you to realize that it's okay just to have a normal conversation to vent out. Sometimes you don't have to go to see a therapist because you're crazy. You have to go with the idea of, okay, I am not sure about what's going on. And maybe this person can give me a different perspective on what is going on. And I am willing to listen. I think that's the attitude that anyone should have when they go to therapy. I'm willing to listen. And you don't have to believe everything that the other person is telling you because you have your own opinions, of course. But it's always on you to say, this is good for me and it's going to help me. If it doesn't help you, then you discard it. And you take what is good. Like everything in life, I think. But I just want to mention two things regarding this about mental health and seeking therapy. And that's one thing that I took from what you shared with us right now is a lot of people don't realize, and there's a, somebody that said this that I've read before, we are the result of the five people that we surround ourselves most of the time or we go to most of the time. And then somebody asked me, I don't even have four or three very close friends. That's fine. You don't, when they, the phrase, you have to be open to also think outside the box a little bit with that phrase. And I would take it to the cultural thing again. Because in Honduras, particularly, there's these cycles that people tend to relieve and relieve inside the same circle of people that they usually move on. And like you, the example that you gave was exactly perfect. How do you expect that somebody that is, has so many issues in their life give you the best advice possible? Just because it's familiar to you to be around this person, because this person has been, because of life circumstances around you for longer than a lot of other people that you just met, doesn't mean that person has become the expert in your life just because they went from kinder to high school to the end of high school with you. That doesn't make them the best advisor in your life. And, and I think that is the misjudgment that a lot of people in our culture make. They surround themselves and they are afraid of cutting these relationships. And I have learned that. That is something that I came to terms with. I started cutting people that I thought were not doing anything for me. And not because I don't like them, not because these are bad people, but I was, I didn't feel that they were giving me something significant. And of course, I'm going to be cordial. Of course, I'm going to be happy to see them whenever I see them again. But if they're not bringing something positive to your life, I think that's another thing that I, maybe I'm just going in a different direction here from, but that's part of the mental health. I think if it's not doing something good for you, it's okay to rethink it and analyze it and decide to disconnect from that. Absolutely. What do you think about that? Yeah, 
Absolutely. I love that segment. First of all, about you said about therapy. Yes, I absolutely believe 100% what you said. I want to add something. When I searched for my therapist, it was about a week after a difficult time in my life. And I searched it on Google search. Mm -hmm. The first one that arrived, I saw her and I, like I told you, I wanted for someone that I respect, that I know that the person knows more that I know in, in specific things. I'm not know it all at all, but um, I was trying to find someone that I can rely on what she was saying or the person here, him or her was saying because it was new for me. Even though I have the, the core belief that it's truly important, it was my first experience and I had backup information, not by asking because I saw the credentials and I saw the resume and whatever. And I said, yeah, fine, school. In my case, the first one that I, the first therapist that I interacted with, she's amazing. I truly respect her. And she knows that because I told her that and mm -hmm. she has helped me a lot. And I'm truly thankful for her. It's like anything in life. It's like dating, for example. You need to click with the person, especially if something that's truly personal. If that person doesn't go, but truly doesn't go, not because they tell you the truth and you don't want to hear the truth and you want to find someone that just indulges you and they tell you what you want to hear. No, that's different. Yeah. That's a toxic behavior. And that's not a, a productive one. But if truly it's a person that you click and you know that it's helping you, if, if, if you think otherwise, then change. Find someone else. And there's a, a video that I will share with you that is from a psychologist that I absolutely love. Someone. She's Marina Mamoliti. And she's a clinical psychologist and she says that she had a podcast actually also on Spotify and YouTube as well. And she says, has a video that says, how do you know that if your therapist is good for you from a, from a therapist? And it's truly insightful because she shares the parts from someone that works in that field, that it's truly studying in that field. And she says, you have to have this and this and this and this. And it's truly amazing to have an insightful part how do you know the person that is helping you is right yes. for you? That's what I asked for the dating for the dating example. You need to know if it clicks, if it's good for you in a truly insightful and logical part. Not by your feelings, not because you're feeling hurt or you're feeling no, by logical, yeah. you're thinking. Because you cannot run just by your feelings. Because the world the world will go crazy if we only react to how we feel <laughs> every time we're angry or happy or mad or whatever. No, we have to think and stop. And then, is this thing good for me or is it not? Because things, they come and go. It's like the clouds in the sky. They come yeah. and go. And I think uh, uh, there's it, a lot of therapies that are not really quite qualified to okay. do therapy. So it would really yeah. suck for somebody to <laughs> that really needs help to bump into yeah. somebody that is a disaster as a therapist. Unfortunately, it can happen. So... It's very good that you mentioned something like this that might help to identify if it's the first time you're doing it, how to identify is if you're choosing the right person for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, imagine you're trying to build a house and the architect that you get yeah. is a bad one. Yeah, or, or a doctor or a mechanic and you think, no, my car has a problem and you go with a problem and you came back with three different ones because the exactly. mechanic did a disaster with your car. 
So that happens. It is true that you need to surround yourself with people that are willing to help you. And that goes as well with what you said that I find truly insightful and, and, and I've read that as well. With the people that are close to you, they will make a direct reflection in your life. And I have also done what you have done there, uh, of cutting people that are not going with the way that I see life in the moment that, that I was. And I've done that recently as well. It's truly important to understand that not every person that you have a relationship is your friend. There are people only, Denise, that you will think about them and you get mad. You do uh, yeah, not like yeah. them. I, I, that, that happens to me a lot. There's, yeah. I, I call it, I define it normally as I have a bad feeling about someone. But maybe there's a medical explanation to that. But for me, it's like when I really don't feel that... There's nothing that you can tell me that will convince me that this person is somebody that, that I want to become friends with, perhaps, or be close to all the time. So that happens. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and, and you're the only people that you will think about them, you'll get mad, and you will get stressed, mm -hmm. and you'll get... Yeah. Up. That's a toxic reaction yourself, because people are people, and they're the way they are, but the way that they cause a reaction on you, that's completely different. That is something that people have to understand your mental health and stability comes above anything else about anyone else or anything else i, I posted this uh, recently i found a quote and i posted this actually this week in my social media you should not allow anything whether it's a job whether it's a partner whether it's a friend family member and we're taught that we have to be there all the time but sometimes it's not true if they're not doing good for you in this mental space that you need to have that is should be healthy it's okay to let go of these circumstances people situations places but sometimes letting go it's not that easy a lot of will and a lot exactly. of reflection and you need to do what's best for you but truly best for you even though it, you might think it's scary even though it may lead to something that it's new for you if you think that it's the right move for you then do it yes because if not if you don't take care of yourself no one's gonna take care of yourself that's a phrase that i always repeat Put yourself yeah. in the first, first, always. Yeah. Exactly. That was nice. And just to close that, like an, an example, a quick example, because it has to do a lot with you, actually. I had this friend also, and she is going through a very um, drastic physical change as well. Like she used to be a little bit overweight as well. And I am also like you, I'm not uh, scared of sharing with people that I have done therapy because to me, it's healthy actually to do it. But this person, she actually said, no, I don't believe in those things. And I do know that there's a lot of people out there that just like her, that's the answer that you get all the time. I don't believe in those things. Like I've never believed in those things. I don't think they actually work. So I'm not sure if I want to spend my money on that 
because for me it's like wasting money and it's unfortunate because i know that this person for instance they're doing a lot of they're putting the work for the physical part they're they're making sacrifices they're dieting they change all their life around because they decided to stop doing the toxic behavior that they had before with food and everything and they probably exercise a little bit more than they had never exercised before but i don't think that no matter what they do on the outside and we spoke about this in the first episode no matter what you do on the outside if you're not doing anything with the inside i'm sorry sis but you're not going to overcome all those traumas that she might be looking at herself in the mirror and she'll never be able to accept herself fully and i know that it will take time for her to acknowledge that but i hope she understands that sooner because yeah. that will also translate to having better relationships finding a healthy partner in her life that i'm sure she wants but it's nice to speak to somebody like you just like we spoke to Dr. Marcela Zapata as well which was very clear that she has already found her personal legend or path or she has just found her calling now i i like to ask this question because i like to see where people are in their lives with this as i i'm still looking for that right now where you are in life right now have you found that calling How, do you feel like you found it that personal legend that's a great question that's a great segment in your podcast i really like that i think that the, the third podcast guest here it's Marian Rodasta because i will mm. quote something that she said when something resonates with me i i learn it because you need to find words sometimes from people that know different things different from you that will help you with the way that you think and she says that your path your passion it's putting your heart in the thing that you do this is a translation in spanish and if you truly love anything that you do in life anything that is your work your family your personal relationship your friendships whatever you need to put your heart in the things that you do and for me yeah. that's the most important thing even though you went to college or you didn't went to college even though you have more diff difficult things in your life that compared to others you need to find a balance between the things that you do professionally and the interpersonal relationship that you have you need to put your heart in it it takes time because like we talked before there's a lot of circumstances traumas uh, personal experiences fears unresolved issues they can cause a conflict within between the things that you do and for myself when i was finishing high school i was in between going to medical school or going to architecture school where i studied there also in university and i had a quite a big scholarship because of my grades for me to continue architecture and even though i love and i follow a lot of architectural things and absolutely love decoration mm -hmm. 
and I put a balance between the things that I wanted and I chose medicine. Okay. And for a long time, I always try to do my best. I always try to help the people because I, I thought I need to find a, a career that I can help people because that's the things that I wanted. I've learned that you can help people in any way that you, yeah. you can in anything that you do because you can be a, a physician, a nurse, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, and you cannot help people. And you just do the work that you do because it gives you money. It's a mm -hmm. way for you to have money or status or whatever. To me, to help people in the best way that I can, I've learned to know, even though I was cordial and I was uh, charismatic or I was trying to be a nice doctor and try to help people, the way that I approach my patients now, it's completely different. Even though I, one of my main characteristics being an empathetic person, the way that I profess my empathy right now, it's completely different. And I came to the conclusion that truly right now, at this moment in my life, I am putting my heart in the things that I do. And that brought me joy. It takes time for a person like I told you, Denise, even though whatever a person is going through their life and the crisis that they might have or the doubts that they might have because of the things that they do and the things that are important to them and or obviously work is an important part. It's not the main part. For me, it's truly important. That that's all, all, all a, a thought that I always had. You are you. You are not what you do in your mm -hmm. life. You are not a doctor, you're not a psychiatrist, you're not um, architect, whatever. You're you as a person because sometimes people have a hard time trying to explain when they ask, when they get asked, tell me about you. No, I'm a software developer or no, I'm a physician or whatever. That's not what I'm asking. Who are you? Yeah. The first step to knowing you're knowing your passion, it's knowing you. Because if you do not know you, how can you know what you like? How can you know what you love? And that takes a lot of time and introspection and working on yourself. And we come back to that because that's the main thing. Knowing is elevating things. And, and that comes with true love, with your self-love, actually. True love mm -hmm. with self-love. It's like a sample that this Indian psychology that I told you, she says a true love. It's like we are in a meeting, Denise, and I introduce to you a person that looks just like you. And I told Denise, I introduce yourself. And now I tell you, okay, now, now that you know your name, love her. Yeah, go on, love her. But you tell me, I don't know her. How can you know someone that you do not love? It's the same thing. You stranger and tell him, love him, love her. What? No, you're crazy, dude. What, what What? are you talking about? I cannot do that. I don't know that person. Is that the same thing with you? Because we might think, oh, the person that knows me best is myself. That's not always the case. Yeah. That's not always the case. And so it's for me to find that purpose was to know myself. After I started, because I'm still knowing myself, it's to understand what I like. But that, that takes time. And even though you might start in your when you were a kid or you were in high school or you were 20 30 40 it doesn't matter 
because your life doesn't end right now. We either worry about the past and the things that happened that are important for us to understand, or we worry about the things that will happen and we have no control. We have no control of the things that happen because they happen, or we have no control that things will happen because I don't even know what I, I will have for dinner right now. The only moment that you can control is right now. The only change that you can do is right now to have a repercussion in your future. And right now is the best moment. Even though you have not, you do not know what you want, even though you do not have a clear path of what you want to do, that's a moment that will pass. Yeah. And your life will not end. Even though it's hard sometimes to understand that, it takes time. And there's the first step for you to understand what you want is to know and love yourself. And that's what I did. And at the moment that I am right now, at the moment that I am so close to continue with my personal journey that I'm, like I told you, truly excited about that. Yeah. I will find my way in my life. I really hope that this happens and closely, like I told you, we'll have this conversation in Brazil. If you want, we can go, I can go to the beach and we can have a, yeah. a conversation there or whatever. But I think that's the part because sometimes people, they just say, no, I just wanted to be that because I wanted to be that, but they do not have the words to express why they want that in life. I am trying to express in words what I think with my knowledge and the the things that I know I've learned, how you can learn that. The first step is to know yourself. And after mm -hmm. knowing yourself and taking your time, you will find your way. Even though you might think that it's uncomfortable, even though that you might feel that it takes more time than you want because you want, like I told you, chronopathy, you cannot stop. And the only person that you can pray yourself is the person that you have in front of the mirror. A person has to be proud of things that they do. Like I told you, happiness is not the things that happen to you are the way that you interpret the things that happen. Yeah. And find the good things in life, little by little, working on yourself and having the patience, that thing will come. Because you have no control in different outcomes, but you can have a control in how you interpret things and the work that you do in yourself. So know yourself. If you know yourself, you will find your path. And I truly believe that. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Like I told you before, I hope that everything works out from now on and in the future in the best way for you. Now, for the next segment, this is the more fun part of the podcast now. I usually share a meme with the guests okay. and okay. then they tell me what comes up to their mind after seeing it. So I'm going to share my screen here can you see that <laughs> <laughs> so it says when you're a little burnt out continue yeah what does the image and the message of this meme represent for you what does it remind you of or what is the first thing that you think about it's it's like there's another meme there there's this dog orange dog in a room that it's on fire and there's a quote on top of the dog that says i'm fine 
I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Whatever. <laughs> and the whole place is it's completely in chaos. And the the, the same thing here. People, their ego or their ways or the way they stay see life, they have a different sometimes way for them to communicate that they're going through stuff and they get a little burned. And when they say they think it's a little burned, they do not magnify the problems that they truly have that may be bigger than the way that they anticipate or the way that they interpret it. Yeah. Fun, fun fact, that's Chucky, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, a personal experience. I have a, a trauma with Chucky. I hate Chucky. It's really? Yeah, I hate Chucky. Yeah, I didn't like it either when I was a child. Like my older brother, who is seven years older than I am, he for him, it, he was a, almost a teenager. Mm -hmm. We were still very young. I was seven maybe, and he was already 14. And he was always watching these because he was tough and he was watching the horror movies. But mm -hmm. I also was terrified to see the Chucky movies. I didn't like it. Like I would have nightmares if I saw it. So, just yeah, just a small uh, introduction with that. I saw the movie with, with my grandma. I was like five years old, I think, or four years old, and <laughs> it was near Christmas. And we were in Tegucigalpa oh. because most of our Christmases, we, we traveled to Tegucigalpa. And there was Christmas and the gifts. And my uncle, my mom's brother, it was the biggest one of all the gifts. And it was for my sister. And it was a rectangular one. Rectangular like one. Like the box of Chucky. Yeah. And then the Christmas Eve, whatever. And because it's not in the States, we opened uh, the gifts on the 24th, in the morning on the 25th, on the 25th. And I saw, I remember, I truly remember, I, I saw the movie like a week or week and a half before Christmas, and my sister opened the present. She was truly excited, and it was a doll. I remember brown dress, curly brown hair, and big eyes just like Chucky. And I saw that thing looking right through my soul. And since we were little, we shared the bed. So it was my sister, myself, and the freaking um, doll in between. And sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and the door was turned over by my side. So I, I opened my eyes. I, I was laying on my the side. The door was looking at you. Yeah, it was horrifying until I, I have the value because I was really scared. And I got that doll and I put it on a box and I shove it in the closet. And she stayed there. <laughs> you were traumatized by Chucky. Yeah, no, I like that meme because for me, it does also represent that. Like what you said, similar, yeah. We have a hard time just admitting if we're going through something sometimes. And we say, no, we're good. We're fine. Or yeah. somebody asks you, how are you doing? And you're like, yeah, I'm great. Everything's I, I, great. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Have you seen Friends? The series? Friends, yes. Yeah. 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 There's an episode where Joey goes with Rachel, it's going out, and he's with Charlie, and they harbor, he was really drunk, he still was having margaritas, and he burned his hands with fajitas, he was doing fajitas, and the, Joey asked uh, uh, Ross, how are you? I'm fine. There's something with about that, and that's the same thing. Yeah. You're yeah. maybe your whole world is collapsing, and I'm fine. Yeah, you're fine. That's, yeah. 
that's truly that's truly regular normal yeah. in our culture yeah okay and then we also like to have the person who is invited here as a guest to share their ride or die product which is a product that you cannot live without or that you would highly recommend to the people who are listening but you have to explain why is this product so important in your life can you tell us which is your ride or die product since i was a little kid i i always liked technology and i always wanted a smartphone in my hand <laughs> and now i have the the smartest thing in my hand i have my cell phone and my cell phone okay. i always try to have a phone that is multitasking and whatever it might do that or it they might be as well and i am team samsung i know that most people are team apple i like samsung because i can do things in android that i cannot do on apple on ios and okay. or my headphones i don't use them because i i brush my hair and stuff but i have i love sony Okay. And I've always changed my headphones through my years. And I recently, like about a year ago, bought these headphones. Oh. Yeah. And those, I taught myself to, to play the piano. And I always love music. I, ha I have these ones and I have these ones and I have these ones because I love. There's always with me. There's my keys, my phone, my, my wallet, and my headphones. Always. Most likely, yeah. Cool. yeah. That's, that's me. Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So this is the end of our episode for today. I just want to thank you again, Ugo, for being here with us, sharing all this information that you have shared and a lot of personal experiences that you have shared again with us today. Thank you for that. It has been nice to see you and talk to you again. I hope this is not the last time, of course. And I hope again, I wish you the best in everything that you have upcoming. I hope that this new year, 2024, brings a lot of good things for you. And that this journey of knowing yourself better and improving in different areas of your life continues. Thank you, Anis. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Like I told you, try to do things that are outside my comfort zone. And anytime you want to talk, I'll be here. Okay. And just to wrap up the episode, I just want to invite everybody who is watching and listening to make sure that you subscribe to our channels. We have a YouTube channel. We are in Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We also have TikTok account. And we also have Facebook page. And of course, for the millennials, like I usually say, Instagram, which is the... Uh, social media to go to if you're a millennial right now. I think the newer generations usually use TikTok, but I still prefer Instagram. <laughs> Thank you again, and we'll see you on the next episode.